as we got in the car to go do this latest podcast, we knew it would be different. Honestly, we didn't look forward to this one. We paused to pray, knowing the seriousness of the story that would be shared. Some stories are just harder than others. This one was one of the hardest. So I think one of the bonuses um, of ALS, should the Lord allow, is that ALS gives you the um, opportunity to have some control over the circumstances of your death. I said I feel like a lot of pressure to live longer than I really have, meaning to be able to live to May would require me getting a tracheotomy, a tube in my neck, which I do not want. And then she replied. I said, I really don't think you would do well with a tracheostomy. I don't think that's the life that you want to live. And then I started crying and I said, but for me to come out and say that feels like I'm saying I want you to hurry up and die. No doubt this was a challenging one. But somehow we still found opportunities to laugh together with Ken and Patty as they shared part three of their personal story. We arrived at their home and caught up a bit on life. And then we prayed again with them. There's no such thing as too much prayer. Ken and Patty see this as likely to be the final podcast they will do together. The doctors estimate that Ken may have less than 12 months before the ALS takes his life. This crippling disease has already taken some of his speaking ability. You'll especially hear it if you go back and listen to part one and two of their story in podcasts nine and 16. So take a deep breath with us as we settle in at their dining room table together. Listen carefully. You'll catch the clicking of the dog's toenails on the wood floor and an occasional tired whimper. The sound of the birds chirping and the trucks outside in the open window are reminders that life goes on around Ken and Patty as they are left to experience what most of us hope never to have to, having the knowledge of death being just around the corner. The calmness in their voices reveals some of the resolution they've worked through. Always asking God for a miracle, but coming more and more to peace with the strong possibility that Ken will be relinquishing his earthly life much sooner than any of us would choose. There's a tension in balancing this remaining hope with accepting what appears to be reality. That uncomfortable tension is revealed as Patty unconsciously clicks the cover of the iPad in front of her. If you pay attention, you'll hear that clicking throughout the recording, almost like the clock 
ticking away on Ken's life. Entering into the intimacy of Ken and Patty's world right now may feel uncomfortable. Our culture tries to sanitize life from the reality of death. But you get a sense that as death draws closer, it actually has less of a hold over Ken. He wonders aloud with us, which season would be best to die in? As a matter of discussion, he grapples with not wanting to be buried in winter when the hard ground would make it difficult to dig a grave. Ken says he doesn't want people to have to stand outside in bad weather. As we spoke together, there's a sense that he's looking death straight in the eye. Yet I know Ken would acknowledge this isn't about personal bravery. It's God at work, walking him down this difficult path. It's a privilege to be invited into the unpleasant beauty Ken and Patty live in as life and death are intermingled in front of them. Would you pray with us for these friends and others around you who face death so imminently? We continue to pray for healing, but even more we pray for God's supernatural peace and intervention for the journey they're on. And we're praying as we, and, and we're praying we would live life more fully in however many or few days we have. Welcome to Long Story Short Podcast, the audio show that invites ordinary people to tell their stories about an extraordinary God who shows up in their hopes, dreams, disappointments, and victories. Turn over the pages of your own story and discover who the real hero is. You paid the price for all the world to me. You paid the price for all the world to see. And for those who choose you now, Shalom. So I think one of the bonuses um, of ALS, should the Lord allow, is that ALS gives you the um, opportunity to have some control over the circumstances of your death. And that's something that Ken and I have uh, been working through quite a bit this year. He, over the past year, his pulmonary function test results have continued to decline on a pretty steady level. Is that the right word, level? Yeah. yeah. Um, Down to 35% now. So it's, 35, it's currently 35% of normal. And at one point, it was as high as 118% of normal. So it's gone pretty far. So there was an appointment earlier this year that um, he tested and came out at 45%. And the nurse who was telling us, we already knew the number was 45 and it's kind of what we expected, but she didn't really expect that. And as she was entering it into the computer, she got really quiet and somber and didn't really say much. Um, so we finished up the appointment and we were leaving. That same appointment, she messed up and looked at someone else's result, which is 75, and was all happy for me. And I said, no, that's not it. And then she double-checked 
45, mm. and the smile left their face, and she was very somber, and I go, uh-oh, this isn't good. So after the appointment, we went into the uh, special needs restroom at the VA, and Ken asked me there in the bathroom, so why do you think Aaron got so somber and quiet? And I knew that I had my thoughts as to why she did that. But I asked you why you thought she got so somber and quiet. And you said... That she doesn't think I have much longer left. Meaning my death was fairly imminent. So I said, yeah, I think that she thinks that that, that may be the case. But so, it's also, we need to remember, Aaron's only worked in the ALS clinic. For two years, so her, her depth of knowledge and experience is a lot less mm -hmm. than, say, Bombador or some other people there. Yeah. So uh, when we were talking about that, I said, well, I kind of, you know, was the good wife and kind of said, you know, don't worry, we'll get you through till May of 2017 when our son graduates from college. Um, and Ken's response was, I, you go and tell the story. I said I feel like a lot of pressure to live longer than I really have, meaning to be able to live to May would require me getting a trach tracheotomy, a tube in my neck, which I do not want. And then she replied. I said, I really don't think you would do well with a tracheostomy. I don't think that's the life that you want to live. And then I started crying and I said, but for me to come out and say that feels like I'm saying I want you to hurry up and die. So I've never really wanted to talk to you and tell you that, that I didn't think you should get a trach because I felt that to say that might be interpreted as hurry up and die. Because by not getting one, yeah, that's kind of what happens. So we were sobbing and crying in the bathroom but it was for a while. Good, <laughs> it was really it was a good. good discussion and one we needed to have. <clears throat> yeah, one, one thing, um, Ken and I taught marriage preparation class for a long time, and I feel like we were able to develop a lot of really good skills that we were able to put to use. And I also found that in that moment we were able to really use some of those things that we had practiced in the past and that benefited us today because that's a really hard discussion mm -hmm. to have. And we both were mind-reading the other person. He was thinking I wanted him to do whatever it took at all costs. And I thought she was singly focused on me seeing my son's graduation no matter what. And I was like... But I don't want to get a trach if that's what I need to do to make it that long. So there was really some tension <clears> in me <throat> between being a cheerleader yeah. for you and an encourager for you, and yet really saying what I really believe and what I really thought. Um, and we talked more about, like, why wouldn't, you know, living here on this earth when we know what holds what 
the other side holds for you. Why would I? To me, I was thinking, like, why would you even want to stay here? Yeah. Like, you have heaven. You have eternal security. Yeah, in my May Caring Bridge post, I put First Corinthians one twenty one in there, where the Apostle Paul said, "To live is Christ, and to die is gain." And he was struggling with wanting to die and be with the Lord versus living and transforming and sharing the gospel. He ultimately, of course, decided to stay. But here I'm in a much worse physical condition. Do I really want to cling to life like this? when I have a much better eternity in store for me. But in a way, I have the same question that Paul had. How can I serve the gospel positively in this condition before others versus retiring and going back to me with the Lord? Uh, then the other day, this week, we had another visit and another pulmonary function test. So that was the <clears> test that was um, came out at 36%, which just showed a continual decline of at least 10 percentage points every yeah. three months The good more. thing is it can't go negative, yeah. so it's asymptotic to zero. Wouldn't you explain that, asymptotic? That's where a function can't go linear because it hits a wall. I can't have a negative score, so I can only go down to zero. So it can't keep going in consistent chunks. At some point, it's got to flatten out. So Ken had an interesting discussion then with um, the doctor there, trying to pin him down more and more and more about, well, how do you think... I wanted to know two different numbers. At what percent... Why well, need supplemental breathing help just all the, time. all the time? And I also want to know at what number, once I am on breathing support, can I be confident if I do want to check out that I can take the mask off with hospice help and die quickly? So he unfortunately could not give me those numbers. He said, it depends on the person. So I left unsatisfied <laughs> with wanting my quantitative. But I left that appointment feeling really, really positive in that he felt confident, pretty confident, I think, unless you got <laughs> sick, that you would live six more months for sure. Yeah, he said 12. Up to 12, yeah. But for or sure, maybe six. Maybe even more, yeah. So, so that was. I told him I thought the optimal scenario was to live the next summer and then die next summer. It was easier to dig a grave in the summertime than the wintertime. He didn't. He didn't really humor. appreciate that much. He didn't appreciate the humor there. But overall. Yeah, it was interesting you said you wanted to be successful at dying, not lingering. Yeah. That was an interesting quote I thought you made. Well, if I went on a hospital now, 
it would be a long time before I'd go. Because I'm sitting here without oxygen support now. So I don't want to, when I decide it's time, I want it to go in less than a day. So I want to get in that number really low to where when I take off the mask, I feel panicked. And then with morphine or whatever they give you, that should take care of it. Not at, at, on its own, in the Lord's course. Yeah. We all, yeah. So also knowing that we're not in total control, but we can do. No, I'm not in total control, we can, the best but we can. I have more control than most people. We have the opportunity, another blessing, I think, of ALS. Not that I wouldn't want to be healed and yeah. die suddenly at 89, but I don't see that in the cards at this point. And you have the opportunity, another, I think, blessing of a disease like ALS is you have the opportunity to see people and to say things and not leave things unresolved. And we've had a lot of visitors. Um, we had an amazing, amazing visit from... Um, a man that we knew in 1992 and three at the Air Force Academy. We have not talked to him. Um, I'm Facebook friends with his wife, um, but we don't have a relationship. We have Christmas card kind of relationship and Facebook relationship. And about two or three months ago, he messaged me and said, "Hey, Patty, would it be okay if I came out and helped you guys for a few days?" And I just remember sitting in the parking lot of where I was, just like I couldn't believe this like we haven't seen him in over 20 years or talked to him and yet he wants to come all this way from Virginia and um, spend time with us and that's what he did he came out and he was here and helped us with work around the house and I was just blown away by that yeah. it was incredible um, so there's a lot of blessings there within the sadness and sorrow, yeah. sorrowful yet rejoicing. Yeah, we've had a steady stream of visitors this summer and it continues. Yeah. I just had my friend from New York visit with his family again yesterday. And then my brother from California is flying in to St. Louis on Wednesday to see some people in Southern Illinois, then he'll be up here about a week from today. Um, then after that, I have my family reunion in Minneapolis at the end of July. And each month I say, oh, we're done. New people pop on the scene and come. I thought my June was busy with a lot of fraternity brothers visiting and Harry Newton, who Patty just talked about. And then July filled up. So who knows what August will bring. It's a blessing, though, for us. Yeah. Do you want to share what? Someone wrote on the scripture, someone. Yeah. Um, my last sharing bird pros, which was yesterday, um, a high school friend or a classmate posted a good 
first my first meter that I thought was very applicable in my situation. It was first Peter one, six through nine. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. Green. Though that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him now, you believe in him. Thanks again for tuning into episode number 23 on longstoryshortpodcast.com, Looking Death in the Eye, featuring our friends Ken and Patty and their journey, their battle with ALS. Lisa and I appreciate our listeners who tune in faithfully for each episode. Our Facebook page following is growing, and we want to thank you for liking the page, sharing it with your friends, and commenting and liking the episodes. And we know many of you are listening to the episodes directly from our website, longstoryshortpodcast.com. All the episodes and show notes can be found there, as well as links to any Facebook and Twitter feeds. And our subscription links for your mobile devices are also available in the left on the right side index, so you can take the stories with you in your pocket or purse and listen on the go. Upcoming in episode 24, we want to introduce you to a new friend, Minister K.G. Wilson. K.G. escaped the gangster life in Chicago and survived the streets. He's now a well-known peace activist and founder of Hope Ministries and the Sherez Jones Foundation. You won't want to miss what K.G has been preaching on the streets since 2007. Here's a snippet next time on Long Story Short Podcast. Even though a lot of times the children that, and I have to, I have to say this, you guys, there's a difference in the neighborhood and the hood. The children that grow up in, in, a, in, in a hood see bad things all the time and they grow up from the age of uh, of five years old to 15 to 20 um used to seeing it they're 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 used to it you know it's just like a part of their surrounding they see death they see shootings you know they can continue to play uh ride on their big wheel or their tricycle or whatever while guns are, are being shot and so they're used to it all that that's a nine millimeter. They know that's a twenty-two. Mm-hmm. They know who's doing it. Oh, that's the 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 vice lords, or that's the crypts, or that's the blood, or whatever. They, they they know little kids because this is all they've ever seen and heard. Uh, people selling drugs and. 
drug addicts and people just all around. This is what they see all the time. And so with me knowing this is that that's this what they see, um, I have to allow them to see something else. I have to come as, um, you know, that's Minister KG Wilson right there. They know me. They know that I'm not a part of none of that, that I'm letting them know that that is wrong. I'm speaking differently than what they're speaking about, the things they're celebrating that are wrong. Now you're hearing from me that this is wrong and that we have to teach you different. And there's, there's an embracing and there's love and care there. You know what I mean? I have time. I'm coming. I'm probably going to hug you. You better run. You know what I mean? <laughs> the game makers know this. You know what I mean? The drug dealer, whoever there knows that this guy will come up and hug you. He's not scared of me. I'm trying to make this face. Does he know I have a gun on me? Thanks again for listening online. All the podcasts are on the longstoryshortpodcast.com page. And thanks for listening offline on Stitcher, iTunes, TuneIn, and Google Play. These are apps for mobile and tablet devices. You'll find subscription links to those services on the longstoryshortpodcast.com in the right-hand index under subscribe. And thanks for liking, sharing, and favoriting and following on Facebook and Twitter. You'll find links to our Facebook and Twitter also on the longstoryshortpodcast.com page. We hope you'll tune in again and see you next time. Bye-bye.